Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. All right, Scott, how much time do you need to catch your breath, man? Because I'm dying up here. <laughs> all right, come up here. We just, uh, if everybody wants to uh, just extend a hand to Scott, Let's go ahead and pray over him. Jesus, thank you for my brother, Lord, that you have anointed him to share your word, Lord, to share revelations about who you are, Jesus. Holy Spirit, be on this man as he speaks. Let every word just come from you. Oh, and just keep our hearts engaged. Oh, amen. Wow. <clears throat> oh, man. I don't know how to transition there. That's uh I'm ser- I'm serious. That was incredible. Um Man, if, uh, I mean, I, 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 seriously, I mean, wow. It's just when, when the Lord is moving and it's just like Holy Spirit is tangible and Zach comes up and gives a word and what he says about the Israelites is exactly what I'm preaching on. And like, it's just, man, Holy Spirit just, he does crazy things. Oh, man, well... Welcome. Man, I'm just, I'm just like actually shaking up right now. But I'm gonna, I'm, we're, gonna, we're just going to go for it. Does that sound good? All right. All right, so if you're, if you're taking notes, um, the title of my message is Holy Rest. Okay, Holy Rest. I'm coming out of Hebrews 4. Um, I do have a decent amount of scripture tonight. Um, so... We're just going to go for it, all right? So we're coming out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 13. It says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter the rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this passage, he says, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, And for those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards, and the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God for whoever has entered God, whoever has entered God's rest, has 
has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to jump into it. Father, thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for showing up and meeting us in a warehouse consistently. Thank you that you grace us with your presence, Lord, and that you move and are active when we call on your name, Lord. Just pray that you would use this word tonight to to start a fire within us, Lord. God, that the words that are coming out of my mouth are not my own, that they are from you alone, and that you would just help me deliver them well. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, as I was prepping this message, um, just wrestling back and forth on ex- you know, what exact portion of Hebrews I was going to come out of, um, because it's all awesome. It's all so good. And so much so that uh, I actually have another portion out of Hebrews that we'll get to in a second. Um, but it is just so good. I just want to say up front that this scripture, this book, the, the Bible itself just speaks such a better word than I or anyone else could ever speak. It speaks so much better than I could ever deliver. So I highly encourage you to read it for yourselves, okay? When we give a piece of scripture up here in a sermon, read it for yourself afterwards as well. Follow up on that, okay? Um, as much fun as I have you know, being up here, being able to, you know, express the, the revelation that the Lord has given me for his house to all of you. I, I really enjoy it. Um, as much of an honor as that is, he has a revelation for you in, in this word, in the Bible, that is just for you, okay? Um, it's a revelation that I cannot get for you. It's a revelation that Matt cannot get for you as badly as he wants to. Matt, he wants to. He wants to get that revelation and just give it to you. It is solely for you to find by reading and spending time in your word. And I love what happens here. But that personal revelation is for you to discover alone. It's meant to be discovered and pondered and wrestled with in the quiet place, just you and the Lord. Now, that might seem like I'm going off on a tangent right off the bat, okay? I, like, what does that have to do with rest? I promise you it has to do with rest here, okay? It has everything to do with rest because the way that you seek the Lord in private will determine if you enter his rest. Okay, the way that you seek the revelation he has for you will determine the way that you rest in him. Okay, let me just want to explain something um, before we get, you know, too far down the track here. Okay, just so we're all on the same page. But there are multiple kinds of resting, okay? 
So we're just going to break it down for a minute just so you know, we can all be looking at this the same. But first, there is physical rest, okay? Um, that's, the, that's what most of us would associate with the word rest. When somebody says, oh, I just need to rest, we think of physical rest, right? My body is tired. I'm exhausted. I need to sleep. I need to lay down. I need to rest, okay? So that is physical rest, letting my body recover. I'm not doing any labor, just being at rest, okay? But then there is spiritual rest, Okay, that is the refilling and rejuvenation of your spirit. And just like your, your physical body needs time to recharge and, and regain strength, your spirit needs that same thing. However, there's a difference in the way that your body recharges versus the way that your spirit recharges, right? So, you know, obviously, like I just said, your, your body, when your body needs rest, that usually requires a complete shutdown, okay? So like, I'm not doing anything, I'm gonna lay on this couch and I'm not moving for the whole day because I need to rest my body, okay? Your spirit, on the other hand, requires activation to recharge, okay? It requires activation to recharge. It requires you to seek the Lord and that revelation that he has for you. And in the seeking is where we receive that fresh filling and renewing of our spirit. Okay, that is the spiritual rest. Okay? So we have physical and spiritual rest, and then there is also God's eternal rest. Okay? And this you might be able to to guess from the name, um, but that is the rest that we will all finally get to experience when we make it to heaven or with Jesus in heaven. That is the eternal rest. Okay, we leave this earth and we experience eternity in paradise and there's no more striving or work to be done. There's only resting in the Lord. Okay, so those are the three types of rest. All right, just to, just to clarify, physical, spiritual, eternal. Okay, it's kind of what I'm, what I'm touching on tonight. And I'm sorry for all the sweat. I was just jumping around down here and I, it is hot, okay? So just bear, we were just talking about that back there. I'm just, I sweat. It's going to have to deal with it, all right? Now, the author of the book of Hebrews, okay, who officially is, is unknown, um, assumed to potentially be Paul or Peter, not really certain, they're not sure, um, but the, the author is speaking directly to the Jewish Christians, okay, or these first Christians that they made up the early church who were previously Jews, okay, and, and they've converted to following Jesus, Okay, that is who he's speaking to. And um, it's these Christians, they're following the teachings of Paul and Peter, you know, the, the first apostles, okay? So, this letter is being written roughly, you know, 30-ish years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he's writing this letter to these early Christians, and he's urging them not to fall away from the faith. And I mean, if you can just think about this time period— it's just very interesting to, to actually look into the time frame of everything because, like I said, this is estimated to have been written 30 years after Jesus has died and resurrected, okay? He's not been around for 30 years, almost as long as he was alive. And if you think about these early Christians, a lot of these people have probably joined the faith and never seen him. A lot of these people have, have never, they never had a, a physical encounter 
with Jesus. They've only heard of what happened, okay? Um, so, so that's kind of the audience that we're dealing with. So in a sense, they're, they're similar to us. You know, they're closer, but they're similar to us in a lot of ways there, okay? But one of the big differences is that the author knows who he's writing to, and he knows that they, they're previously Jews. So he knows growing up, they're good Jewish boys. They're going to know their Torah. They're going to know their Old Testament scripture, okay? They're going to know their heritage because, dude, that's what the Jewish people were all about. They're all about knowing that, okay? So they would know all of the Old Testament scripture. So he pulls from that knowledge that they would have of their ancestors who were freed from Egypt and they were headed to the promised land, okay? Just what Zach was talking about here. But because of disobedience, they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years, okay? So that, that is kind of what this author is using to grab their attention, okay? Um, so, and I'm going I'm to read some more scripture here, okay? So, because this is kind of giving context to chapter 4, okay? So in chapter 3, the author speaks of what Holy Spirit says in regards to the generation of Israelites that were recorded in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, those Israelites that wandered for 40 years, okay? So, Hebrews 3, 7 through 18. I know I'm going to come with a lot of scripture, but we're just going to bang it out and go. Um, but it just says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Then the author goes on, he continues, he says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the, from the living God. But, ex but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Like I said, that speaks so much better than I could ever. Read it for yourself because it... it when you dig into each, every single line, it's just incredible what he's saying. But he's plainly speaking about God's chosen people, okay? The Israelites, uh, the, the ancestors of Israel, okay? So it's, it's these people that were called to be God's chosen holy people, okay? And he's talking very plainly about them not entering God's rest because of that unbelief, because of disobedience, even after God led them out of slavery, okay? They were slaves in Egypt for a long time. The Lord freed them. He brought, brought Moses, freed them, brought them out of that persecution. 
And then once he freed them, he gave them manna. He gave them bread from heaven when they had no food. Gave that to them to sustain them. He provided water from rocks that he, he broke open to quench their thirst. He delivered his people. He gave Moses the Ten Commandments and the laws and instructions for building the tabernacle and the holy place for God to dwell among his people. He did all these things. And there were still those among them who ended up falling away and physically dying in the wilderness and spiritually dying as they doubted and disobeyed. Okay, they forfeited his rest because they allowed their flesh to take control and to make the decisions and to disobey. He had promised them an eternal rest that they forfeited by worshiping false idols. Okay, literally melting down precious metals and making a cow and worshiping it while Moses was away. Okay, that, like that's what, that's what they did. They worshiped false idols. And they forfeited their, that, that eternal rest because of that, which is crazy to think about. I mean, if you just ponder that for a second, I mean, this, uh, sorry, this isn't in my notes, this is just hitting me, but like, you think about that, God's chosen people, there are people from that group that will not spend eternity in heaven with God because of that. They forfeited that eternal rest with him. But he had also promised them spiritual rest with dwelling among them in the, the holy of holies in the tabernacle, and some were turned away by the wrath of God because of their unbelief. He had promised them physical rest in the promised land. Okay? The land that was supposed to be flowing with milk and honey. That's what, that's what they were told. This is going to be the greatest, most fertile land ever. And they, they, they gave it away. They ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years and they died there. Before, they were, or before the next generation came along and was allowed to enter in because of that disobedience. And the whole point being made here by the writer of Hebrews is the need for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? Because our humanity and, and our inability to uphold our end of the covenant, okay? that even though God had upheld his own end, that his own people, they couldn't remain faithful to him. Okay, And I can't help but wonder how that story of the Israelites may have gone differently if they had the same desire to rest in the Lord as Moses did. I mean, that, that is another thing. Like, man, if you just read and just like ponder things and just like commune with the Lord, it's just crazy. Like, I was just, I, I mean... It's just wild to think about that. Moses, when he went up to Mount Sinai, just, he was just seeking the Lord. And he waited there. He was resting in the Lord. And he received the word of God in the laws and in, in the Ten Commandments for Israel. He was given the playbook by which God wanted his people to, to move forward and, and to prosper. Because he was just obedient. He went up there and he was just listening to the Lord, being present with him. And what if all of God's people in that time had been so caught up in seeking him that nothing else mattered? That they didn't get distracted with worshiping this, this golden cow or whatever the heck they're doing. I mean, just crazy stuff. But what if they, what if they didn't get distracted? What if, what if they were so committed to just seeking him alone that they never, they, they never strayed away and worshiped false idols? If they had been focused on him alone, 
and been obedient, they would have entered his rest. They wouldn't have been turned away. They wouldn't have experienced uh, the, the, the wandering. There wouldn't have been suffering. They wouldn't have just been stranded out in the desert for 40 years and dying. But they couldn't see beyond their own immediate physical selves. They couldn't, they couldn't get that vision. But they would have truly experienced God's rest in that time. And as I was wrestling with that thought, I also, you know, I, I thought about King David, um, just with like the, the whole thought of resting in the Lord. And his heart for the Lord, when he was grieved that he had a home, yet the, the ark of the covenant with, with the, that housed the spirit of the Lord, and that this is later after the Israelites, but that he was grieved that there was no place for God except in a tent that covered this that they covered the, the Ark of the Covenant. He was so grieved and he said, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the mighty one of Jacob. See, David had the, this revelation of God and his rest. He realized the need for spiritual rest in the Lord. And he realized that it was so much more important than his own personal physical rest. Okay, he caught that revelation that his physical time was limited and he didn't want to waste one second until he had fulfilled his promise to God and he had prepared a place for God to rest on the earth. And it, 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 like I said before, it's so amazing and just like, I just laugh sometimes. It's so funny to me how Holy Spirit works and just pulls things together. Um, just because as, as I was prepping, I, just, I thought of a couple weeks ago when Zach and I, I think it was on a Wednesday night actually, Zach and I were just sitting in that, the back pew back there. Um, and we were just talking about why it's so hard to overcome our desire for sleep. Like, why is it so hard for us to just want to sleep in and forego the time that we desperately want to spend with Jesus in the morning? Like, we desperately want that time. But it's so easy to give in and, and, and not do that. You know, that precious time that we have before we have to really snap at it and, and get into our day-to-day -day and, and, and grind all day long, that time is, is very precious. but it's so easy to just forego that. And I'll tell you what, Shaniel, she'll be the first one to tell you how annoying I am in the morning when I say that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to like work out and I'm going to read my Bible. I'm like, I'm setting my alarm for 5 a.m. And then she'll listen to that alarm every nine minutes for the next hour as I hit the snooze button and just keep hitting it. Because I'm, I'm just, I give in to, I always tell Zach, I'm like, man, morning Scott sucks. Like evening, evening Scott is cool. He's like, all right, we're going to get up and do this. Morning Scott is the worst guy. And that's okay. I'm, 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 that's right. You can't, you can't trust them. Um, and I'm okay. I'm okay to wrap myself out. It's fine because I don't want that to be the way that I am. I'm okay to say that because I don't want to keep doing that. Okay. Because I'm going to tell you what, Zach and I, we used to, this is kind of a tangent here. Zach and I used to text each other at night and be like, hey man, we were working out tomorrow. And be like, yeah, dude, I'll see you at the gym at 5 a.m. My alarm goes off at 4.30. I'm like, hey, bro, you up yet? And I'd wait. And I'd be like, please, please be asleep. Please be asleep. 
And then he'd text me and be like, yeah, I'm up. And I'd be like, ah, dang it, I got to get up. But then sometimes he would text back and they'd be like, dude, I didn't sleep well last night. I got to sleep some more. I'm like, yes, let's go. We're sleeping in. And I would like celebrate sleeping in for like another half hour before I had to get up. This is just, this is like the stupidest thing. But those are things that I, I don't want to continue doing. I don't want that to be a natural habit for me. Okay, I want to be the one that's popping up out of bed and I'm excited that I have another opportunity to rest in the Lord before I have to do anything else. And it was funny because while we were having that conversation back there, kind of the, the gist of what Zach said was, what does being tired have to do with anything? What does being tired have to do with anything? What does it matter if I'm physically tired? I'm not going to miss out on this opportunity that I have today to commune with the Lord first thing. And that's what the, the writer of Hebrews here in chapter 3, when, when he says, but ex exhort one another every day as long as, as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And that's the same revelation that David had. It's the same revelation that Moses had. What does my physical tiredness matter when there is time to be spent resting in the Lord? Have we caught that revelation from the Lord? Have you caught that revelation from the Lord? Do we understand what room we are in, in his presence? Like, the, do we understand what room we're in? We're in the, when we're in his presence, we're in the throne room. Do we understand that? David had that revelation, and he did all that he could do, and he built that temple for the presence of God to rest in. And that was the closest that he could get. It was the most he could do was to build a temple. You are the temple now. Is that not crazy? The closest thing that he could do, he could build a temple. They couldn't even touch the ark. They moved it wrong, and somebody went to grab it to stop it from falling dead. The closest thing he could do was just to house it, to build a temple around it, and then pray from a distance. You are the temple. Through the power of Jesus' death and resurrection, you have become the temple. You have the opportunity to encounter and to host him on a daily basis. You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. You have the opportunity to rest in him no matter where you are because you are the temple. But I think that we have, we have taken that for granted. I think our generation has kind of overlooked how incredible that is. Like, how massive of a statement is that when you really think about it, that you are the place that the spirit of the living God gets to rest and he gets to dwell in? Are you treating the rest of God with the reverence that it deserves? Am I treating it with the reverence it deserves? Tell you what, this message is as much to me as it is to you. I just, I just bared my soul to you about how hard it is for me to wake up and to do the things that I want to do. Are we treating the rest of God with the reverence that it deserves? Are you seeking his eternal rest like it's something that you could miss out on? 
Dude, because if I'm being honest, I don't seek it like it's something that I could miss. All those Israelites, they were God's people. They thought they were legit. They thought they were secured. But they faded away. Are you seeking it like it's something that you can miss out on? Are you seeking his spiritual rest like it's a privilege to rest in him and not just some right that you've been given? That it's a privilege to rest in him. See, I I touched on this when I opened service on Sunday, but I believe that that fresh revelation of Jesus that he has for you will only be found in you seeking him in that quiet place. It'll be found in your prayer closet when you commune with Jesus and ask him for it. And you listen and you wait and you rest in him. He will speak that revelation to your spirit as you search his word. Just like we just read in chapter 4. It says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus wants us to prioritize that spiritual rest with him. He wants us to seek out his mysteries in his word. Because he wants to give us that fresh revelation of who he is and what he has for you in this season, in the season to come. He wants to give that to you. He just wants you to seek it. And that's the amazing thing about the the word of God, about the Bible, is that you can read the same book or the same chapter or the same verse over and over and over again, and every time you read it, there will be something new that will jump off the page to you. There will be something new that will, will click in your mind and be like, man, I never, I never read that that way before. I never saw that that way before. And that's on purpose. They, they, he designed this book that way on purpose. Because you can't grow in the spirit with old revelation. You're, you, will, you will not continue to grow in the spirit with old, with old revelation. The revelation that brought you into this season will not take you into the next season. You must continue to seek him out and rest in him no matter the cost and seek that revelation that he has for you in this day, today. And worship team, you guys can you know, probably make your way back up here. Um, but I, I just want to... Um, I'm going I'm to continue to read something else here. Um, it's kind of what I want to end with. But it's an excerpt from this old, old Bible. Okay, This Bible I've had since I was before going into my freshman year of college. Um, so that is like 13, 13 years old, which makes me old. Okay, um, But that, that's an old Bible, okay? And in this Bible, uh, one of the unique things um, that I've found is every third page or so, there's an entry in there from a preacher or a scholar. Um, And this one in particular stood out to me last Friday during our our prayer room. Um, We were here 6 a.m. praying and seeking, and I was just flipping through, and, and it just jumped off the page to me. 
Um, but it's from the legendary Charles Spurgeon, who he was a preacher uh, in the mid to late 1800s. Um, if, if you don't know who he is, I mean, you should look him up and just listen to him. I read his stuff. He's crazy. Um, but I'm just going to read what was written in here. I read this on Friday morning to both Matt and Adrienne um, because I just I, I had to share it. And I'm just going to share it with everybody now. But it says, Just as old soldiers compare their battle scars and stories of war when they get together, when we arrive at our heavenly home, we will tell of the goodness and faithfulness of God who brought us through every trial along the way. I would not like to stand with that multitude clothed in robes made white in the blood of the Lamb and hear these words. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, all except you. How would you like to stand there and be pointed out as the only saint who never experienced sorrow? Never. You would feel like a stranger in the midst of a sacred fellowship. Therefore, may we be content to share in the battle. For we will soon wear a crown of reward and wave a palm branch of praise. It's crazy. And he continues here and just says, During the American Civil War, at the Battle of Lookout Mountain, Tennessee, a surgeon asked a soldier where he was hurt. And the wounded soldier answered right near the top of the mountain. He was not thinking of his gaping wound but was only remembering that he had won the ground near the top of the mountain. May we also go forth to higher endeavors in Christ, never resting until we can shout from the mountaintop, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And it says, finish your work, then rest. Till then, rest never, since rest for you with God is rest forever. God will examine your life not for medals, diplomas, or degrees, but for battle scars. What nobler medal of honor could any godly person seek than the scars of service, personal loss for the crown of reward, disgrace for the sake of Christ, and being worn out in the master's service? Finish your work, then rest. Till then, rest never, since rest for you with God is rest forever. I want the battle scars of sleepless nights because I'm burdened with needing his rest over my own. I want the battle scars of early mornings and lunch breaks sacrificed and people not understanding why I have to leave a party or a gathering early so that I can be found resting in his secret place. I want the scars of, of those sacrifices that look like medals of honor in heaven. And I want the same for you. I want the same for this house. I want to be praising Jesus in heaven for eternity, standing shoulder to shoulder, all of us, knowing that we spurred each other on to go deeper 
into that deeper revelation while we were here and we didn't just say it was it was good enough to just you know I've got eternity with him locked in I can coast the rest of the time I'm on earth I want to stand shoulder to shoulder with each and every one of us that called this place home knowing that we did everything we could do to spur each other on to that greater spiritual rest while we had time here on earth that it was it was not enough to just accept that gift and not strive for his perfect rest so if y'all I mean if you guys want to stand up uh, we're gonna we're gonna worship um but as we get ready to do that I, I just I want to do this real quick um if you feel like the the Holy Spirit is just calling you right now to a deeper rest with him if if this if his word has touched you and you feel like man there there is that my physical rest can be sacrificed for his spiritual rest and you feel like he's calling you to that i would just invite you to to just come forward i just want to pray over us as if you feel like you're being called right now to be a prayer warrior to be an intercessor to be somebody who is found in his presence at all times if you just want to come forward i'm, I'm just going to pray i'm going to pray over us so we can start going into worship um but i just i want to impart an intercessor spirit over us right now for those quiet place moments that we're called to. Father God, anoint us for this next season, Lord. Call us deeper into your rest, Lord. God, I pray for everybody down front right now that is just seeking you. I pray that you pour your spirit out on us right now, Father. God, that you would, you would light a fire deep within us that only grows hotter and stronger when we are in your quiet place with you, Lord. God, that that is the place where we go to throw another log on that fire, Lord. And God, we pray for your spiritual rest to be something that we crave so strongly that it puts to shame our need for physical rest. God, that physical rest would seem so unnecessary because of how badly we need your spiritual rest, Lord. And that we would strive to go as deep as we possibly can and be found with you on a daily, hourly basis, Lord. And I pray that you unleash in this room right now a spirit of intercessor prayer on these people that are, are begging for it, Lord. God, that we would be the ones that change how, how a city views what it looks like to be a part of a church because of what happens in our personal prayer rooms, Lord. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Awesome. Well, let's worship, guys.